It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. If you're dealing with the allergies or any of those other things that uh, occupy everybody's sinuses, it seems like, over the course of the spring and summer in East Tennessee because of the rapidly changing weather, you need to check out Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies, including things to help you with your allergies. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. Uh, three locations to serve you, including that one in Knoxville, just across from Trader Joe's on Kingston Bike, or you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price and Brent Hubs, it's the mailbag edition, which means there is um, plenty of questions to get to. And, and this, this mailbag is interesting because it's kind of all over the map. You can tell football is getting ready to get started. A lot of recruiting, but not all recruiting in this mailbag edition. But we will start out, Austin with some recruiting questions, and that's from Anthron, and he wants to know, is the Simmons recruitment over, or will Tennessee keep swinging there? Anything new on Hunter Osborne? Do you think Laycock makes it through the weekend without committing? And with all the talk of tackle recruits, I feel like you forget about some of the kids on our roster. Do you have any early takes on Brian Grant? Let's go to number one, Lucas Simmons. Tennessee going to swing there? you think that one's over? Yeah. Yeah, no, they'll swing there till the end. Why would you not? I mean, you have ties there. Um, you don't know what kind of year Florida State's going to have. Right out of the gate, Florida State plays LSU and New Orleans in a neutral site game that's not really neutral. And then they play uh, Louisville, uh, two of the first three. Uh, it's a huge start for Florida State. If they start badly, things could spiral there. Again, though, you keep swinging and you hope that he just wanted to play for that staff and a change of staff wouldn't be able to influence him to stay. We'll see, but yeah, you keep swinging. That's an interesting opening game, Rob Lewis, for Florida State. I mean, because yeah. the, the the boys the boys in Baton Rouge feel like they're going to be better than everybody thinks. Brian Kelly will have a chip on their shoulder. That that'll be a that'll be a bit of a hornet's nest, I would think, in New Orleans. Yeah, Hubbard, is that a reciprocal game? I mean, I know they play this, but is there like one in you know Orlando or? Jacksonville or somewhere like a, a yeah there's got to be one somewhere along the way an Orlando yeah. game or something like that yeah because that seems pretty odd to sign up for it you're right that is a, a that's a weird game and I mean, it's a shame that both programs are where they are because there's been some there, there are some years that that would be an absolute you know marquee matchup yeah that would be a hammer game for sure uh Hunter Osborne we we heard about Clemson deadlines that that dates past. Does that mean Clemson's out? Austin is this Texas? Is Tennessee still in it? What do you got on Hunter? The Clemson um, the Clemson commits still feel like they're going to get Hunter Osborne. Um, now the deadline is the deadline to tell Clemson. He didn't have to announce that. I mean, several guys like good point. You know, Vic, Bur- Vic Burley. They gave Vic Burley like twenty four hours to decide when he was at Michigan State. He told him he was in. He didn't announce for two or three more weeks. You know, I mean, like, that's just to tell them you're in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're not out. Um, be interested to see if he goes anywhere. If he goes anywhere to me, then they're out. Because they don't allow people to visit um, if they're in. So, um, if he goes anywhere when the thing opens up. You know, he said when he left here, he was not going to do anything until, like, August 25th or something like that. If that's still the track, then, you know. Um, we'll see what he does when the when when it opens. Uh, and then what was the next one? Laycock timeline. Uh, yeah, he'll make it to the weekend, in my opinion. I think sometime next week. Um, 
and then uh, Brian Grant. Yeah, you know, offensive tackles on on the roster that maybe aren't talked about. I mean, we talk a lot about, um, you know, uh, Mincy. We talk about Darnell Wright, uh, Dane Davis. Um, what, what do you, you know? Jeremiah guy, Caldwell. Jeremiah Caldwell. Crawford, I mean. Crawford, I mean Jeremiah uh, Crawford. Yeah. Um, I mean, it feels like Brian Grant, just because he's just gotten here. I mean, it, that's a developmental position. It's hard to see him being ready to go and being a factor now, but I think it's too early to determine what he looks like a year, what, what he could do a year from now. I mean, you got to see him, don't you got to see more of him, even though he was here for spring, you got to see more of him to know kind of how quick he might or might not be able to help you. Yes. And, and I think the biggest thing Tennessee likes about him is his athleticism. I mean, he, he, he is a really good athlete for a kid, his size. They just got to continue to put weight on him and uh, hope that it remains the same type of athlete. All right, C.D. Vall wants to know whether there be any players limited or out at the start of fall camp. Um, to my knowledge, no. To my knowledge, everybody should be good to go. Yeah, I mean, I think we all want to see Rob uh, Williams at linebacker. Is he – I mean, has he been completely – is he ready to go? I mean, he was in a non-contact deal all spring long. Uh, does that continue? I mean, is he completely cleared and good to go? There'll be a couple of guys like that to, to keep an eye on. But for the most part, I think all these guys are, uh, are, are I mean, this could be a healthy team ready to go for, for sure when uh, the fall camp opens. So let's go to uh, Sam Smith. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. no, I was going to say it's always such a huge deal, especially if some of you guys missed the spring. Yeah, and I, again, I think this I think this group's pretty healthy. I mean, you don't want anybody to do anything these last couple of weeks in terms of pulling a hamstring or anything like that. But um, I, I think that everybody has bounced back well from who missed spring, uh, all those defensive backs and, and all those types of things. Uh, Sam Smith, 2233 with SEC Media Days next week. Are the Vols pick preseason number two in the East? Does Hendon Hooker get the second-team quarterback spot ahead of K.J. Jefferson? How many balls on the first and second team? And what will Josh Heupel be asked about most next week? I'm going to say NIL for Josh Heupel. That's and what I was going to say. I mean, I think that's just the, the, the storyline for everybody out there, particularly in light of the Nico commitment. There'll probably be some Josh Heupel NIL questions. Um, Hendon Hooker, would, would you name him to the second team behind – uh, young at Alabama and ahead of KJ Jefferson, or do you think Jefferson gets the nod? I mean, I would. What, what about you guys? Yes, I, I think KJ is probably a little more boisterous, um, but they're similar uh, demeanors. I think KJ is probably a little more boisterous. So I think some people lean that way just because. And KJ's in the the West. You know, they have a little tougher competition. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's, it doesn't really matter. I mean, neither one of them will be ahead of Bryce Young, and I mean. Lists or lists. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think Hendon Hooker is going to have or not have a, a, a good or bad year based off of you know having a chip on his shoulder with lists. He he's just not that kind to me. I mean, he just so you know never never as good as it seems, never as bad as it seems. Steady Eddie, even keel, like borderline no pulse at times. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think. By the way, I don't think that. I'm not sure Tennessee's going to have anybody on the first team preseason All League team. Unless it's maybe Darnell, but I don't know that Darnell will get one of the tackle spots in the league. I, I'm not sure they have anybody on the first team, uh, all SEC preseason team. Um, and that includes Cedric Tillman, who's a really good player, but I think there's a lot of receivers in this league um, who are flashier and, and are going to get notoriety there. You, will, will Tennessee get picked second? I don't think so. Third in the East? 
Or do you think they'll get the second nod? Well, who are we talking about? Not going to be Florida. Florida. It'll be Tennessee or Kentucky pick second in the East. I go with Tennessee in that scenario. And I and I get I mean I don't know, I guess I think we've talked about this at, at some point in time, but I just don't get all the Will Levis hype. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I mean, I think at all. But when I see these things with him in the first and maybe I could totally be wrong, but I don't see a first round draft pick there like you know, some seem to be purporting. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, he's he's he may play great this year, but I think he's got to play much better than he did a year ago to, to generate that kind of hype. And that'll be interesting. I think that'll be a really close vote between Tennessee and Kentucky uh, for that number two spot because I think everybody else is behind. There'll be somebody, there'll be some people who vote for South Carolina. You got to remember, too, there's a lot of people at this thing that, you know, somebody will vote Missouri to win the East because that's how this thing works. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. Um, but I think it's an interesting discussion as to who, in the preseason standpoint, people think is going to be a better football team. Is that going to be Tennessee uh, or is that going to be Kentucky? Um, Smokey 4319, we're currently at 18 commits. If all 18 were to sign, how many more spots would we allow for high school signees? How many would we save to go after in the portal? And if you were Josh Heupel and only had seven spots left in this class, what positions are you going after? Well, the good news is you don't have to have only seven spots left. And the fact is you're going to have people defect at the end of the year. So, you know, the numbers are going to be fluid. I don't think you have numbers set. I mean, I think in my in their in their minds, they probably have like a, a number, but like that's going to fluctuate so hard depending on who's available, who's not available, how many you feel like are going to, you know, transfers depending on what's, you know, what what positions you feel like you need. I don't think they'll decide any of that until they get into the season. I mean, Tennessee wants to continue to add to the offensive line. They want to continue to add to the defensive line. Those are two locked-in spots. You know, um, they're going to take another receiver. Nathan Laycock's trending for that. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the running back spot. You know, if Roderick Robinson comes back around, I can see Tennessee definitely, you know, going hard there. Um, but that's, yeah. that's the UCLA kid, right? Yes, that's the kid. Okay. His mom lives in South Carolina. Dad's a military guy, lives in San Diego. Yes. So, okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I just think it's also so fluid. Uh, I'm a Vol fan, wants to know how – I knew sc- you were, Hubs. I knew you were. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know how are schools having to balance NIL with Title IX? Also, is the scenario possible where a rich booster can support a small team sport by supplementing no scholarships through NIL that would work around Title IX? Uh, I mean, Title IX and NIL are two different things. I mean, these are not salaries. You know, these are up for individuals. I mean, there's no there's no given that way. I mean, the schools are not doing this. And so, um, they're, they're to, I mean, there is no Title IX. They're totally, from that they're totally unrelated. Yeah, they, there's no there's nothing to balance there. Could a, could a rich booster support a non-revenue sport by supplementing – uh, scholarship, sure. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people think is going to happen in baseball. I mean, a guy is going to supplement that where guys are not on partial scholarships, they're on full scholarships. You they can do it. easily do it. Yeah, you could do it in golf. You can do it, um, you know, in, in, a, in a variety of ways. So th- there's no – I mean, there is no tie between those two because they're completely separate. I, again, I think – and I don't want to – I don't want to sound preachy or anything. I think – and I don't think I'm of all fans mentioning this, but I think a lot of people – equate NIL as a salary. And that's that's not a salary. That's why these numbers 
you know, you can't say, well, this guy's worth this because he would be a second round draft pick. And that's what second round draft picks make. That's not how the, I mean, these are not salaries. This is what your marketing value is worth. Um, much the same way in the NFL, an offensive lineman's value is um, different than a quarterback's value from a marketing dollar standpoint, right? I mean, Tom Brady's going to get more money to do Gillette shaving cream than his left tackle or his, or his guard or center is going to be. That's just – that's the way that – I mean, that's the way NIL works. So it's a little bit different that way than I think some people look at. All right, let's get a well, hoops. Go ahead. I was going to say – I was going to say, too, um, I, I think in each each instance differs, suppose, because sometimes schools want to use the whole, like, you know, we look at this like an NFL and sure. you know, this guy's slotted here to their advantage. And then sometimes – they know they got to have a guy, and they got to, oh, and 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 the collective's got to overspend for them. Then it is what it is. And I'm not even talking about like recruits. I'm talking about like current guys that may go to the portal. Sure. Like you know, if if you got an offensive lineman, you really don't want to lose him. You know, on your team, you may have to overspend just because you don't like you know. If we let him go, there's no guarantee we're gonna have a good, as good a guy coming back in here. So, you know, sometimes they end up having to overspend. Again, there is no method to this madness no not at, not at all and, and again i mean i think that you have to look at it and whether it's in recruiting or whether it's with your current roster you look at um the top four or five guys on each side of the ball and who are your priorities and if they're a big enough priority you might have to overspend for them that to, to keep them or to get them that's just that that's that's kind of what i see out of nil and how i see it working and um uh, eric kane who's who's on here with us i mean you know, there are going to be times, Eric, where you just have to say, I'm going to, you know, that we're going to let this guy go because he's not, somebody's offering more money than we're willing to, to pay as a collective. I mean, I just think that's part of this. That's the next phase of roster management that, that programs are having to deal with. Yeah. And again, it's, it's something we talk about in NFL free agency all the time. It's, are you willing to, you know, spend 18 to 22 million on a pass rusher or, can you go get two guys for the price of one on the interior defensive line? I mean, that's something as a Titans fans, um, you know, you, you were kind of going over with, with Jadavion Clowney a couple years ago. So, you know, what, what's, uh, there are a couple of guys that we've mentioned in, in you know, weeks past that you're just going to go all in on um, because you need to, you got to, but there's not going to be many of those guys. And so I think as, as we continue to evolve as, you know, recruiting cycle to recruiting cycle into this name image likeness era, we're going to see more examples on, and at the end of the day, you just got to let some guy walk because your your needs are more pressing and you can get more bang for your buck elsewhere. Yeah. And Eric, where are you been? I mean, did you have lunch? Did you oversleep? Did you have a technical issue? I, I, mean, I, I mean, where are you been, Kane? Sometimes you got to overspend for a new computer or, uh, or, or, or we have to let you walk. My, uh, my inputs are about fried on this laptop. So prime day. I'm, I think I know what I'm doing later this afternoon. Holy smokes. I'm watching John Wilkerson's Pondit Accord. <laughs> all right. Let's roll into uh, all vol recruiting. Any new basketball targets for the 23 class, Rob Lewis? And for uh, you. One guy that um, somebody mentioned in the chat the other night and. I wasn't sure about uh, Cohen Carr, and I might be botching that name. A big, big man um, from Greenville, South Carolina, uh, is, is going to be in at the end of the month uh, for an official visit. That is one to keep in mind. He's six foot seven, um, 
I got it. That's new, a new-ish name, that one that I did, I was not aware of until, until this month. Um, so keep him in mind. And I mentioned in the war room that Tennessee had an assistant coach in Europe last week at a FIBA tournament. Um, so I would not be remotely surprised to see something emerge from that. But uh, Cohen Carr is the one name right now that I would throw out there. And he's new. We've talked about it, but Silas Demery is, is a guard uh, who's having a great summer. That's not exactly um, – hardcore recruiting fans know that when some, you know, if you don't follow it really closely, that's a guy that Tennessee has offered in the last two or three weeks. Um, so those two, Demery and, and Carr. All right. Um, Austin, for you, what's the plan past Smith and T-Lander at linebacker, and what's the idea with uh, Rod Robinson the second? I'm not sure there is a plan. I mean, the, the, they're going to continue. I think they're very comfortable with the two they got. They would totally continue to swing on Justin Jefferson, the Juco kid from Barlow, Tennessee, who committed to Alabama. They'll continue to swing on C.J. Allen. If they can get either one of those guys, they would gladly take them. I don't think they're just going to take a body to take a body. So, thus, I think they'll feel pretty comfortable unless they can get a, a high-end guy. And then with Roderick Robinson – Again, I think that he, you know, was just kind of growing tired of the process, took the easy route, committed to UCLA right up the road, looks up, they're going into the Big Ten. I think he'll take some visits this fall. Yeah, not everybody's got a guy about the idea of having to, to, to fly to all those games and cold weather and, you know, all, all that type of stuff. That's, you know, that the whole – play close to home so your family can see you kind of is out the window a little bit uh, or a lot of bit with, with those two teams moving into to the Big Ten at some point. Obviously, they'll play home games, um, but it's not like you can drive to Cal. You know, it's not like you can drive over to USC uh, and, and some of that stuff as well. So uh, that that's why I think you'll see some of those guys look around. All right, Rocky Top 30, what uh, coaching adjustments – do you expect in year two for Josh Heupel? Philosophically, what will our identity be both offensively and defensively? Eric, if if you're – I mean, you may have to type this out on a stone tablet. I'm not sure, but if you can Morse code that answer to us, that'd be great. You beat me to it. I was going to say it's going to be Morse code. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> adjustments in year two. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make too many adjustments, right? I mean, I, I think something that, you know, we spoke on – before about utilizing the middle of the field a little bit more. Uh, you want to fix short yardage situations. So, I mean, a lot of that just has to do with just getting it done, right? Um, you know, philosophically, I, I think that this team's going to be an attacking defense. Uh, it wants to be an aggressive defense to try to get back and get to the quarterback. It's obviously going to be fast-paced. Um, I, I just I don't see this team changing too much from, you know, what it tried to do a year ago. It's just you, you hope that the um, – execution can improve in some of these areas, especially short yardage situations. I do think too, and I've said this before, I think that they're going to try to use the tight ends a whole lot more uh, in the passing game. Yeah. Go ahead. Defensively. I was going to say, I think it just boils down to, they're hoping that some of the players have grown and they're just better players. Right. I mean, you know, you, you want to attack, you want to, you want to fly around to the ball. Everybody wants to do that. Um, But you know, it just boils down to Jimmy's and Joe's and, uh, you know, I think they added some nice pieces. Now, how quickly can some of those young guys come along and how much can some of those guys that, you know, have been here continue to grow? Who takes a step in year three in the program, year two under Tim Banks? 
you know, what's Kamal Haddon look like this fall? What's Christian Charles look like this fall? You know, what, what does some young guys like Elijah Herring give you? What's Josh Josephs give you? What's James Pierce give you? You know, well, I think you, I think you summed it up right then. And, and, and Rob, I mean, I think if you change your identity of your defense, you're able to, the only reason you're really going to change it is if you're able to get to the quarterback without having to bring, you know, people from a million different directions all the time. That, that's how you change your identity is if you can line up and play zone in the back end or you can be you know dynamic in the back end because up front you can get to the quarterback without having to bring six or seven people. I mean, it's it's cliche and it's, you know, overstated. But I mean, I, I, defensively in this day and age, the way offenses are, you just can't overstate how important it is to be able to get to the quarterback with, with four guys. I mean, look at – I mean, Al – as good as Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson have, have been at quarterback and at the skill spots, I mean, how many guys have, have those three programs put in, put in the pros from their front seven in the last five years? I, I mean, I, I don't know the yet. Enough to field an all-star. Enough to field an all-pro team <laughs> in, in Hawaii. <laughs> a bunch. And as far as the identity goes, I mean, don't you – I mean, whatever, wherever, as long as Josh Heupel is going to be here, the offensive identity is going to be go fast. I mean, it's – I think that's – at the top of the board, and they work backwards from there. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously got to be better in the red zone efficiency. Um, they, they've got to be a better team when they get the ball inside the 20-yard line and the field shrinks a little bit. They've got to be more productive there. Got to be better on third downs. And they've got to be better in third and short, no question. And defensively, they got to be better in third and long to get off the field. Um, Vol Trust, thoughts on, I guess, 247 picking Tennessee to beat Georgia but to lose to South Carolina? I don't no. see Tennessee. I don't see Tennessee beating Georgia. So I don't either. I just I don't I don't see Tennessee being at that point. I'm not saying they can't be competitive with them, Austin. But I I don't I don't see Tennessee ready to go win that game in Athens, Georgia this fall. Well, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you would take that trade though. Sure. Because the the bump and rub you would get off of beating Georgia and Athens would be massive. Um, you know, but I mean, hey, you got to throw some stuff out there. I mean, somebody asked you know Wednesday for a you know, hot take, you know, my hot take was almost going to be that Brent Hubs, by the time we get to September 20th, we'll be primed and ready to pick the Vols over no, the Gators. No, no. Easy, big fella. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that one happening. Um, <laughs> you can send that Morse code, Stone Temple uh, Stone Temple, or, or tablet, or however you want to put it out there. I don't I don't see that one happening. Uh, e. Schaefer, 92, wants to know, does It'll Jimmy – does Jimmy Callaway redeem himself and have a productive junior season? Chances that he's the fourth receiver in the rotation. Anybody? I think go it ahead. depends on camp. I mean, I, I think it depends on camp. What can you do? Do and step up. And uh, he was not. I, I don't. I don't think he made much of a, of a move in, in spring. I think Jimmy Holiday helped himself out an awful lot. I think Jimmy Holiday is a guy that can play both the inside and the outside. So, you know, look for him. Walker Merrill looks. A lot better. He's got that brace off his knee. I mean, he's gonna, you know, try to get in there. Squirrel White made a lot of noise in spring. So Jimmy Callaway, who I think is very, I mean, I think he's gifted. I think he's one of the better, you know, athletically one of the better receivers on this roster. Can he help himself out during camp? And he can certainly play that that slot uh, position. So I just think it's up to him at the end of the day. I'll say the difference between Jimmy Holiday and Callaway is just size. I mean, Jimmy Holiday is a bigger receiver. He I is. Mean, like, I mean, like. He's just got a little more girth to him. He's not like massively tall, but he's thick. And I think his ability to, to be on special teams a year ago helped him. I think he's probably the, the odds-on favorite to return kicks. 
um, this fall. And if he's returning kicks, I think that gives him a shot to be enough of a playmaker to start moving his way into the wide receiver rotation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. I think I think the pressure's on Jimmy Callaway. I agree. To do something to not get passed by because depending on what happens with Brew, Jalen Hyatt, some of these other guys Eric just named, um, uh, I think the pressure will be on him to make sure he doesn't get buried. Yeah, the thing about Holiday nobody pays attention to is he's longer than you think. He he's long armed. I mean, he's not the tallest guy in the world. But but he's he's got a little more length to him than I think Callaway does. Uh, Brooks, nineteen seventy two. It seems the Vols have started opening up the pipeline into Georgia this season in recruiting. Any specific reasons, Austin? I'm not ready to call Amanda. it a pipeline. Everybody recruits Georgia hard. Georgia can't take them all. I mean, no offense. I don't the poster. I'm not I'm not knocking him. But go and look at the last five years. How many kids take out of that out of the state of Georgia every year? Like. You know, there's several of them that Georgia is not even recruiting. They end up being good players here because Georgia is so talent rich, as you just pointed out. But I mean, there's no, I mean, every year, Alabama, you know, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, they're pulling kids out of that state. They may not be the top end kids, but like they are kids that end up being productive players at the college level. And so, yeah, I mean, if you go and look, in fact, I'll, when you're reading the next question, I'll go and, and actually look this up. But I mean, seven it, commits this year from Georgia. Yeah, but and and there was a handful from last year and a handful of the year before that. I mean, it's just, I mean, if Tennessee's not re- taking kids out of the state of Georgia, then to me, something's wrong. Yeah, I, I, I've said this and I believe this, Rob. I, I think Georgia's the most hotly recruited state in the country when you talk about the population per capita. I mean, I, I just think when you look at the programs the historical programs that are coming into the state of Georgia in a conference where it clearly just means more. Okay. And, and, and whatever needs to be done, they do. I, I think Georgia's the most heavily recruited state there, there is no offense to Texas or California, but I mean, California is not dealing with Florida state, Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, Clemson, Tennessee, Georgia, you know, Miami, even Big Ten schools coming in, Kentucky, as Austin mentioned, the the, the way that, that Georgia does. I mean, I, I think I just think it's a day um everybody's lining up in Georgia to try to get players. I completely agree. And it's in it's in literally the heart of SEC country, at least old school traditional SEC country. I mean it's a it's a poster child for a battleground state. I mean the the Alabama would, will pop in there and cherry pick, but really Georgia, Clemson, Florida State, Tennessee, it's been a huge part of their, you know, their, their success. And those, those are four programs. I mean, I know we're getting a little way, we're getting 98s in the rearview mirror, but those are four programs that won a national championships in, you know, the last couple of decades. And so much of that has been fueled by, by recruiting in Georgia. I mean, Florida State, I mean, I know you said it, Hubbard, I did, but I mean, a lot of people don't think about that, but man, South Georgia, the Columbus area, Florida State has, I mean, that's that's their backyard. They've they've hit that forever. Then you get the I-85 corridor. Shout out Paul Fortberry, uh, you know, up there from Atlanta to to Greenville, South Carolina. I mean, that's a Clemson, I mean, hotbed. And then you know, Tennessee is always popped down there. It's I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I'm just piling on. It's I mean, so many players. Yeah, right, let's go back. Last year, 2022, they took seven. I think it was the same amount this year. 
year four of that, Tennessee signed less than 20 kids. Five of them were the state of Georgia. So a quarter of your of your roster. Year before that, four. The year out before that, 2019, nine. So I mean, again, like that's like a that that if again, if you're not pulling kids out of there, then either you're doing spectacular everywhere else or something's wrong. Yep. Or you're not doing well. Even even to show you too the the scope of this, I mean, you know, like Carson Newman, when I was there, the majority of the guys, I mean, they took a lot of in-state kids just to help out with the admissions and everything. It's completely different from SEC football, but I mean, over half the guys on the team were from Georgia. I mean, there the scope is, you know, from power five to one double A at the time, you know, to non-power five now to on down to, you know, D2, D3, NAIA. There are so many football players coming from Georgia that that's all, all the way across the board. All right, a couple we got to get to out of the gate here or as we close it out here. For those fans hitting the road in South Carolina and Georgia, what are the can't-miss restaurants for the trip? Um, Georgia, you're going to stay in um, in the Atlanta area. Shout-out to my man that owns Heirloom Barbecue, Farragut guy. Went to Texas, became a pit master, Heirloom Barbecue in an old hop-in convenient mart. Good barbecue if you're looking for barbecue. Got a Korean flair to it. His wife's Korean. They got a couple of restaurants down there, so I'll give a shout-out to him. I've uh, got to get that barbecue. Austin, if you're going to South Carolina or you, you're going to – you got the Beacon in Spartanburg. You What's got your, the Beacon in Spartanburg. But Rob knows – and Rob Rob laughs and, and then came back and said, AP, you didn't do me wrong. Rushes. It's right off the mall exit. It's just a little fast food place, but it's specific to Columbia. I love that place. Rushes. That's right. I, I, Paul, Paul Fordbury recommends the, the Burger King on the, the <laughs> right past Spartanburg. On the, on, it's a left exit underneath the overpass. <laughs> At New Cut Road for Paul Fortenberry. All right. Uh, Pine Mountain Vol, out to, to finish it out here with a two-part question. Part one, do you think Tennessee will be in the playoffs in the next five years? And part two, do you think Tennessee would be in a 12-team playoff in the next five years? If it's a 12-team playoff, then I think they'd have a shot. Otherwise, I might have to see it to believe it. But I do think, again, this 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 year is huge to continue the upward trajectory. I'm going to beat this home for the next three months. The month of September is massive. If Tennessee does well then, then I think you're looking at, at worst a 9-3 and three football team if Tennessee can, can roll into the bye week heading to Baton Rouge undefeated. But, again, that's not been done in so long. It's hard to actually imagine it happening, which is why Hubs has got to see it to believe it. Florida pick, got to win the game like Pitt at Pitt. But again, if you can get to there, then then the whole narrative changes. This place will be a buzz as we head into the bye week, and I head to Disneyland. Well, I'll say this, Rob Rob Lewis. For me, when you talk about next five years, it all depends on whether or not Nico is the franchise quarterback you think he's going to be. That's where it starts. I mean, if he. If you hit on him, it all changes. If he is, you got a chance. I mean, that's just that position is so important. I mean, it's you can't overstate it. Yep. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's playing in the playoffs without a quarterback. It just is, is not happening. So I, I think that dictates so much of what this program looks like over the course of the next five years. Uh, but because it's not just his production, if he is productive, it opens up pipeline recruiting for years to come that you really can stack things. So for me, um, fair, not fair, that, that's where it lies, Eric Kane, is, 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 how, is how does Nico perform in this program? If he's successful, then the outlook is very different. If he's not, then you're in a cycle that you've been in for a while, it feels like. 
Nope, I couldn't agree more. Nico, uh, y'all beat me to it. It's all about Nico. If he is the real deal, if he's as big as advertised, then absolutely you have a shot at doing that type of stuff. If he's not, then I still think in the next you know five years, if it's a 12 team, you'll be knocking on the door. You'll be right in there. So it's all about the quarterback position. Of course, if you get good quarterback play, likely to get more wins. Recruiting is still going to be coming around. All those things can change from one position and from one player coming in here in 2023, and that's Nico Iamaliava. Yep, and the next five years, will it be an eight-team? Will it be a 12-team playoff? How many conference games is this league going to play? Lots of stuff will determine the kind of the landscape and what's realistic and what's not realistic for programs out there for sure. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. Remember, uh, like us and subscribe on YouTube and uh, like us and subscribe on SoundCloud. Tell everybody about the VolQuest.com podcast. And we want to thank our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics for their support of it. For Eric Kane, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brett Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.